dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. This episode is a really special one. Why? Because this is episode 200 of Faces of Digital Health podcast. I've been airing the show for five years now, and the steady growth of listeners is very gratifying, and I will continue to share my curiosity with you. I must also say that this content is free and will continue to stay free, but you can show your support by leaving a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. You can simply go to lovethepodcast.com slash health. And you should be redirected to the appropriate platform on your device to be able to leave a rating or a review. It can be as little as a thumbs up, a word or a sentence. So if you're a regular listener to the show, please go to lovethepodcast.com slash faces of digital health and leave that smiley emoji there. Thank you. Visit facesofdigitalhealth.com to browse through other episodes as well, the recaps and to learn more about the show. And of course, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the show to be notified about upcoming episodes automatically. In the upcoming months, you'll hear about what can digital health innovators learn from oncology development, why is mHealth app use still quite poor. In a startup panel discussion, we debated the current state of accelerator programs, I'm also planning a series of discussions about digital health innovation in Africa and more. But now enough about teasers and let's move to this episode number 200, which content-wise is going to be the same as any other episode focused on quality insights. In case you're interested in learning more about the history of the show, feel free to find the link in the show notes to read my reflections after 100 episodes. In today's episode, you're going to listen about open ecosystems in healthcare. Because when one starts to wonder about why data sharing is still more or less cumbersome in healthcare, you quickly get to the challenges with interoperability, siloed data, and of course, data standards. Sharing of data has improved with the introduction of the messaging standard called FHIR, but throughout the years, Debates about open standards and open ecosystems have started to become louder and louder. In this episode, you're going to hear a little bit more about that and the Open EHR or Open Air Standard Specification. I was joined by Hanna Pohjonen, eHealth Management Consultant and founder of Rosaldo Oy from Finland. Hannah has worked across the world as a consultant in various regional and national e-health projects. To be precise, she worked in 31 different countries across Europe, North America, Middle East and Asia. She usually consults on healthcare information systems, IT infrastructure, vendor-neutral archiving, data sharing and more. And in her past, she also represented Finland in e-health matters in the European Commission. So in this discussion, you will hear a little bit more about healthcare digitalization in the Nordics, complexity and challenges with national and regional e-health projects, and of course, open air, 
what exactly it is and where it is used. By the way, if you're interested in digitalization in the Nordic countries, see the link in the show notes to find uh, the series of discussions about this region published last year. Now to Hannah. Anna, you recently contributed to the book Roadmap Map to Successful Digital Health Ecosystems, a global perspective. For a start, let's just try to explain a little bit what can we perceive under the term digital ecosystem. How do you understand that? The digital health platform is a common health information infrastructure. So It's a set of shared and reusable components, and actually WHO calls it info structure. Digital health applications can then be built on top of it in order to deliver health services. And this is how the ecosystem is being created. It is, however, important to note that not all digital health ecosystems are open. And for me personally, it is very important that the data is in an open format and can be reused in a maximal way for various purposes. Mm -hmm. You contributed to this book with a chapter about the Nordic countries, which are at the forefront of using open standards in healthcare So can you tell me a little bit more from your perspective, what are, in your view, the key factors making these countries the forerunners in implementing digital health ecosystems? First of all, Nordic countries have been early adopters of electronic health and social care records. As an example, it was already 2006, I think, that Norway built the first paperless hospital in the whole world. Secondly, cross-organizational data sharing has historically been very important in Nordic countries. I would say that we have a strong culture for sharing. There has always been the recognition that the patient is in the central role and data needs to follow the patient, regardless of the organization it has been produced in. Another aspect is that the Nordic citizens are typically very keen on participating in their own welfare and care, having the possibility to access their own data. Citizens have the right to view their own data, but they also determine the level of sharing between professionals. This desire to share data finally resulted in national document-based data sharing infrastructures in all Nordic countries. And at the same time, the legal environments were also renewed to enable sharing. And at this point, I would like to note that the legal readiness for sharing is actually one of the prerequisites in adopting open ecosystems as well. And and then finally, I would also like to, to say a little bit about the integration of health and social care services, because that is now being discussed in the Nordics. 
And actually, Finland has actually um, said that as one of the goals in, in our health and social care reform. And this creates an increased pressure to further develop ways to share data more effectively. And this is where open air comes into the picture. We're going to talk a little bit more about open standards and open EHR um, a little bit uh, later, but given that you explained how the historical framework has been the main reason of the design of ecosystems in the Nordics, I just uh, am wondering what your comment or observation about how the rest of the world is struggling with going into integrations and interoperability. There's a lot of pressure in healthcare to, to have data fluidity. How do you observe the international space around trying to make data flow in healthcare? Mm. I think that in, in all European Union countries, we have the same aim. We want to share data on the national level and also even across the EU borders. But the, the historical background is so different and also the legacy environments. Some countries, they have started from paper. When we started to share nationally, in the Nordic countries, we already had 100% digital electronic health records. So the journey looks a little bit different in different countries. And we have to respect that. We always have to take into account that what is the, the baseline when we start going to, towards interoperability, but also towards intraoperability, where the open standards and especially open air Speaking of open EHR, which we mentioned a few times by now, for those that might not be familiar with it, what exactly is it? So open EHR, I call it open air because simply it is easier for me to pronounce it and many people do like that. It is an open and international standard specification. So it's a specification for storing, managing, searching and sharing social and healthcare data. So basically, it means a revolution. It means a revolution from interoperability to intraoperability. So applications, they produce data using a semantically coherent and open data model. And this is how applications can actually understand each other's data, and there is no need to convert to anything. And this means that it is also possible to separate applications from data and store data in a shared open air-based data repository in a vendor and technology neutral way. What it then enables, and what is, I think, the most important fact here, is that it enables a totally new way to build electronic health record systems. So instead of one vendor monoliths, we can build a multi-vendor ecosystem. And what does this mean? It means that we can split the EHR to functional modules, which come from various vendors. And you can select the best of breed module. 
The modules are also replaceable if you want. And when a module creates data, another module can straight away use it from the shared open air based data repository. And there is no need for migration when the system parts are changed. So in essence, the data is separate from applications in this case. Can you name a few use cases where this is visible in practice so it's easier to imagine how that looks like in practice? Yeah. So in open ecosystems, the true ownership of data is with the care delivery entity and, of course, the citizen. And the data can always be accessed and also combined from various sources for decision support, AI, and, and so on. And you can add new innovative modules on top of these open platforms. Like in Salford Royal in England, this is a very good example. I really like it. They have still the legacy in place, but the data has been separated and new innovations utilize that data. Another example comes from Germany. They use an open platform for all COVID-19 data, and this how they accelerate the assessment of COVID-related care practices and also enable research to understand COVID better. Agile, low-code, no-code software development on top of open platforms has been a huge benefit and has made it possible to adapt quickly to unexpected situations like the COVID situation. I hope you're enjoying the discussion with Hannah and Open Ecosystems so far. We'll go right back to it after hearing a few words from our today's sponsor. Are you still meeting people in person only? Are you using LinkedIn but not getting much value out of it? It's time to do things the new way. Create or strengthen your professional brand on LinkedIn to research new market opportunities or just sell your solutions. If you want to build digital-first relationships to get more opportunities, clients or partners, invest in yourself and attend the Master E-Networking Live course on Maven. In just 10 days, you'll digitize and build your network. You will learn how to maximize the value of any event you're attending. Learn more by going to masterenetworking.com, that's masterenetworking.com, and use the code Faces of Digital Health 10 for a discount. Find the link in the show notes. The next cohort starts on April the 4th, and enrollments are open. Now let's return to today's discussion about open ecosystems in healthcare with the eHealth Management Consultant, Hanna Pohjonen. You also work as a consultant for OpenEHR. Can you tell me a little bit more about the most common projects that you are consulting uh, on? Who are the key stakeholders that you usually work with? How does, you know, a digital transformation happen if one wants to move into the open ecosystem? So the most common projects that I deal with are all sorts of data sharing, and shared workflow projects. 
and with shared workflow across organizational cross-system care pathways where data is shared and also the professionals collaborate. I am specialized in big regional and national projects. I very rarely do anything on the hospital level. A typical customer is a regional or national stakeholder in the middle of a health reform and wanting to use IT as a tool. Data sharing is the typical common aim in, in these kind of projects, but the roadmaps, they, re, they really differ significantly. It is always important to respect the history and the culture in a country, like I already said earlier. I think it's really fascinating. I really do love my work. Another customer group is the vendors. And I help them in their transition from legacy to open air, in partnering, in making entries to new countries and so on. And then I also help big consultancy companies as a subcontractor when they need this expertise. So it's quite a versatile customer space, I would say. What do customers say on the regional, national levels or vendors struggle with most? when it comes to going into this direction? Yeah, it's, this is a very good question. The healthcare delivery entities, they are very unsure about the approach that they should take in their EHR renewal. And they are also worried about the roadmap from old to new. And in this case, I think it's very important to build awareness and show examples. Otherwise, the traditional monolith may actually seem quite lucrative, a lucrative choice to go. And for this purpose, I have created an open-air e-learning ecosystem to help the customers to learn about open-air and open-air market in an understandable way. If we talk about the, the other customer segment, and this is the vendors, the companies, they struggle in the transition of the product portfolios. They have a legacy. They want to go to the new world in order to fulfill the market need. But they need to make a stepwise transition, and they have to support both old and new. Some companies, they don't even want to tell to the market that they are developing something new because they are still selling their old legacy products. So when I help them, I have to be very discreet and all is, of course, very confidential. The companies, they are also quite worried about the platform selection. So when they start renewing their product portfolio, they have to have a very good user-proof platform that they are building upon. And when it comes to the, the thoughts around this, what are the most common fears or critiques that you hear from anyone looking at open approaches? There's, I'm not going to say there's a battle between the two approaches because, as I mentioned before, there is an awareness that with the 
a rising digitalization, we need more data fluidity. And but you will always have people that will argue against these kinds of approach. So, what do you hear most often? You say there is no battle, but I would say that there is sometimes a battle, and、uh, sometimes I'm even in the middle of the battle. Yeah, I think that. If you look at the stakeholders, I think that the big monolithic companies—they are the biggest, say, troublemakers in this case. So, the big monolithic companies think that they have a lot to lose if they cannot keep the data in their own proprietary silos. So, the resistance on that side is very high. On the other hand, I would like to emphasize that there are also. Big companies considering open air as a competitive advantage, and、um, I count on them. <laughs> But I would maybe like to compare this、uh, to the past. What happened in in the imaging world? The open air development today in the market it resembles a lot the situation when DICOM was emerging. As a harmonized data model in imaging, and many stakeholders were against it. Especially the big imaging companies were against it. So the same thing what is happening now in in the EHR setup. And now, DICOM is the de facto standard globally. Everybody is using it. So, I would like to say. That open air on the EHR side is like DICOM in imaging. Another say、uh, thing that that causes some battles is the fire open air discussion. And some people think that open air and HL7 fire compete totally with each other. And every day I I meet these kind of opinions, and. I have these discussions even inside companies that have already committed to open air, but usually building awareness, explaining the facts, it helps in these situations. And、um, actually, in Finland, national open air data modeling is a subgroup under ASL7 Finland. So enemies are friends. <laughs> And I think that we can be like a role model globally and show that open standards they can work together, and they can complement each other. And some standards are good in one use case and some in in other use cases. So I think there is a a way forward in this. I think and, that's and really- I also work in the monolithic project. So <laughs> yeah, on the monolithic side. Yes. Yeah. When they want to do, say, projects where <laughs> the monolithic companies, their solutions have to be integrated, national or regional data exchange platforms, and they use, for example, Fire in those projects, then I am there helping them to fit into the picture.、Mm-hmm. I think that the point that you made about standards complementing each other is a very important one because it's pretty. Difficult to imagine that we would ever get to a consensus about one standard. You have to somehow work in harmony in that regard. Yes, and for example, open air is really meant for persistence. It's very good in persistence, but we can utilize fire in many 
use cases for data exchange. And it is really, there is the harmony. It's really actually interesting to have these different open standards in one environment. But this creates also some other demands from the market side. So we need, for example, mappings between these open standards so that we can utilize them in real time. And this is a, a great opportunity for, say, integrators and, and integration platform providers to go into this space. So we need them. You mentioned earlier that basically Open EHR is a framework on how data should be structured. And the structure is for archetypes and templates is modeled by health and social care professionals. So those that are experts in the field and really know um, what the important uh, points together would be. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about how does one become a modeler? What are the required skills? How does in practice the, the design uh, of models look like? So I think that the first time in the history of EHR, the health and care professionals, they are really in the center of development. And both in data models and applications. To be a modeler, you do not need any specific IT skills. So you don't have to be afraid of that. The modeling tools are visual and it is easy to use them. So what you need to be, you need to be an expert in your own area and understand various use cases for the concepts that you are modeling. And it is also necessary to get familiar with the CKM. It is the Clinical Knowledge Manager. It's a tool for commenting and reviewing archetypes as well as publishing and managing archetypes and also templates. Modeling archetypes and templates is one thing, but it's also good to note that in open air, you can also model care pathways and clinical decision support related guidelines. So there's a bunch of things that, that you can model. And the beauty is that whatever you model, you can also reuse it in other open ecosystems. And that's really good. If we try to paint a global picture of where OpenEHR is used, uh, what would your answer be? What's the differences between regions? Where is it used most? Where is it uh, used least? How many countries have tried it? So you sort of ask about the hot spots in open air. Of course, I would like to start from the Nordic countries because I'm a Nordic person. I think that the Nordic countries, they are like forerunners in open ecosystems. And for example, in Norway, they have four specialty care regions and three out of four have committed to use open air. And in the GP side, almost 50% of the, of the market is using open air-based products. If we go to Sweden, Sweden has 21 counties and 19 of them are committed to utilize open air. In Finland, we have a national open air-based data exchange platform. Many legacy systems, they have been connected to this platform. 
both social care and health care. So that was one of the driver to combine social and health care data. We, we harmonized the data to a format that is open air format, and then we utilize it for different overviews. In Finland, we have also seven hospital districts out of 21 committed to, to open air. So there is a huge adoption of open air. Denmark is not very interested in open air yet, but we really do hope that we can get the Danes into our ecosystems as well. In the Nordic countries, the aim is that the vendor modules they could be utilized across borders in different open ecosystems so that we could really build the, the multi-vendor environment. Other hotspots in the UK, open air adoption is growing very fast and the UK is definitely one of the hotspots. In Wales and Scotland, there is a national open air platform project ongoing and England is really interesting because of the integrated care agenda. They aim to integrate social and health, like in Finland, as well as mental. And I think personally that it is very hard to achieve um, this goal in a good way without open air. At the end of last year, The London area chose open air for the basis of the London-wide dynamic care plan. And I think that from the UK perspective or English perspective, this was a major step and maybe a role model for other integrated care systems. Germany is a good example of open air related research projects in the uni university hospital sector, even if on the other hand, the rest of the healthcare sector in Germany relies on the coming document-based data sharing. There are also big installations in China, Australia, Slovenia, and so on. And there are many important projects and they are all worth mentioning here and also emerging ones. Where is it adopted the least? I think that the USA takes the first place here in this game. So unfortunately, the big monoliths are dominating in the market, but I think there is still hope. I have been contacted by a couple of ESR vendors from the USA and they are starting open air based development. And there's also a growing need for alternatives, especially in the rural areas in the USA. The whole open EHR kind of movement, if I call it like that, quote unquote, um, under the Open EHR Foundation, which is a non-profit basically organization trying to uh, encourage open standards. So I wonder, given that you mentioned so many countries, is there any collaboration between different countries? I would be, you know, curious to hear if do Chinese modelers or Chinese open EHR users, do they communicate or consult people from Europe, from the Nordics, from other countries? Is there any collaboration in that sense that you're observing? Yeah, so the... Open air 
data model is international. The modeling work is also international. Clinicians and healthcare and social care professionals from different countries, they contribute to the archetype modeling and they have the reviews and consensus discussions, etc. So this is very international. Besides that, I have always been encouraging the collaboration between different projects and different countries because you can learn uh, the best practices. You can also learn about the mistakes <laughs> that people have been facing. And for example, in the Nordic countries, we have every two months, we have a collaboration meeting where we discuss what has been happening in different uh, countries. And we also collaborate in, in various things, hopefully very soon in social care archetype modeling, because that is something that is very important in the Nordic countries. And the social care modeling social coverage of the social care archetypes in the international CKM is not that wide yet. So maybe we can, we can help the wider community with that. Speaking of international collaborations and perspectives, you worked across the world as a consultant, as we mentioned on regional, national levels. Actually, if we look at numbers, you were involved in 31 different countries across Europe, North America, Middle East, and Asia. I'm sure there's a lot of stories there that you could, uh, could share. You said before that you need to respect the culture, the history, the kind of the mindset and framework that you work in. So can you uh, share any stories from those projects? Are there any uh, common points? For example, what are the high-level necessary components for a project to succeed regardless of the culture? Yeah. So, yeah, I have worked in various projects, also in the monolithic ones, as I said. But if we look at, say, the success factors from these projects, I would like to answer regarding the open ecosystem projects, because I have been in so many projects. If you want to make a successful project in the open ecosystem world, I, I think there are four things, prerequisites uh, for the success. First of all, I think that the data sharing culture needs to be present in the market. So um, experience gained on document-based sharing is very good, preferably with broad content, scope content and in large geographies. It's also like a, say, change management thing as well. So if you start sharing, you have to be ready for sharing. So it's good if you have shared data already before. Then the legal environment should be favorable for sharing. And the necessary data privacy and security services should be in place. Then the third thing is that there should be broad enough understanding amongst the end users and decision makers about the benefits of an open ecosystem. Because if they don't understand the benefits, then it is very dif difficult to make a successful project. And then the, th the fourth thing I would like to mention is that there should be readiness within the vendor community for collaborating and acting in, in open ecosystems. Because it's a different scheme. You need to collaborate with your competitors as well. So 
yeah, it's the modern way of thinking. Yeah, competition is a term that's that's used in that sense as the future of of development. Are there any specific memories that you could share in terms of how did the projects that you were involved in differ? What where did things go wrong usually? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like to think what went wrong, but um yeah. If I think what has been the toughest type of projects, normally the projects with many stakeholders, of course, as there needs to be a lot of awareness building before any major decisions. Otherwise, decisions will not be informed decisions. Sometimes we have problems with the legacy vendors when we want to migrate their data to open platforms. Sometimes we lack support from the governmental stakeholders. In some countries, the governments, they have built their own data models. And then we need to convert those data models to open air archetypes in order to, to proceed. So that's sometimes very cumbersome. Sometimes I see expectations that are almost impossible to fulfill. For example, in the national program for IT in England, that was years and years back. So maybe I can mention it here now. It was very clear from the very beginning that the goals were unrealistic in that situation. In England was uh, divided to five clusters and I, I was working in three out of five clusters there, but I was helping the companies when they were, say, answering to the expectations of NHS uh, England. So hopefully this does not sound too pessimistic <laughs> because I don't think that there, there is any easy project. But definitely all those projects, they are interesting because the challenges, they are for overcoming. So you need to overcome them. And, and I, I think it's very nice to see different cultures and different projects. The way you described it, I was, I kept thinking, how do you, what do the challenges result in? Is it uh, just the, the time delays? Before you finish a project, which also brings me to the question, how uh, long do uh, these projects usually take? So when you have a region that wants to go to the open approach or even a country, what's the time frame that's set and that is actually uh, a reality in the end? I would say that open air-based and open ecosystem-based projects they are never big bangs. They are not like the monolithic changes of systems where, where you change everything at one point. So open air enables stepwise renew. And this means that the regions or the countries, they can take their own priorities into the picture. So they have different functional needs. Maybe they want to renew something To start with, maybe they want to take new innovations and still keep the legacy there and do the stepwise renewal. Another thing is there can be economic constraints. So some regions, they have that much money, some are maybe more and they can renew at a, at a increased pace. 
but it depends on the country. But I, I think that when we talked about these open standards and you said that, hey, there's not like idealistic environment where you have only open air. Um, I think that this stepwise renewal also explains that because you have legacy there, you have monolithic systems utilizing maybe fire for all exchange, and then you have these uh, modern new open air-based modules, everything in the same environment. And this is the beauty of open air, that you can take these different standards. But the prerequisite is that you get the persistence in a, a open, say, format, and then you can utilize that data from there. As the last question, how do you see the future of uh, data standards or open standards in healthcare? I see that the open ecosystem needs many open uh, standards, like I have said already earlier, and they all complement each other. So, such as open air, fire, OMOP. We have not uh, discussed OMOP here, but OMOP is a, a good data model in, in some research areas. Then, of course, terminologies like uh, SNOMED CT. So they all be together there. And I also see that open air-based low-code and no-code software development will make a revolution in the coming years. So a big revolution because it will enable agile development together with end users and even by end users themselves. So I think that there's a big chance that the future applications will fit for their purpose better than the current applications that we have in the market because of this end user involvement. And the applications can also be adjusted easily when the world changes. That is also a very significant thing. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It can be very simple if you just go to lovethepodcast.com slash faces of digital health and you'll be redirected to the platform appropriate for your device. Additionally, if you enjoyed the show, do subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.